1: Today's chat's been sponsored again by Online Horse College. If you're looking for a government-accredited qualification within the horse industry, go to onlinehorsecollege.com. Now, Wendy, we've got Wendy Barker again today. How are you today, Wendy? I'm really well,
0: thanks, Glennus.
1: Yes, yeah, so am I. Wendy, it's good to talk to you again. We talked to you on episode 88 It's 088, but you're pretty popular, so you came back again on A Listener's Choice as episode number 345. So we're talking to you today about 10 tips to help you before you start your dress at a competition.
0: Is that right? Yeah. Look, Mm. um, I I think there's probably lots of different things, but I'm probably concentrating more on people who are not quite so experienced because if you've ridden many, many, competitions for many years, you've got your own strategies, really. Sure, sure. That's for people with a bit less experience.
1: But you know what? Even if you've got your own strategies and you might go out, you might be doing it every weekend and and have a couple of horses, me doing it all the time, you still might listen to this and go, oh, I'd forgotten about that or I hadn't thought about that for a while or that might work for this new horse that I've got, you know? So while you might have focused it on people who are starting to learn, we shouldn't discount those experienced competitors as well
0: absolutely not you're quite
1: right Yep. all right now the first one we've got make sure you and your coach know and base your training on the training scale so can you tell us a little bit just briefly for people who haven't heard of the training scale or don't know the training scale that we're talking about you know just about how judges use this as a baseline where their marks come from
0: most definitely and look i'll just say before i start talking about it, that Mm. if you haven't heard of it before, you can download the Equestrian Australia Dressage Rulebook, and there will be information in that for you on it right near the beginning, and that's a really good place to start. But the the training scale is now called the FEI training scale. It used to be the German training scale, but Mm -hmm. I think we all know that Um, well, those of us who've been training horses for a long time do appreciate that whenever you think, "Mm, what should I be doing to deal with this issue – it's just the best place to go. I've got a sign. I've had a sign up in my arena for about the last 25 years, which is the training scale. And good. it's yep. amazing how many people come for a first lesson and take a photograph
1: of it. <laughs> yes, yes, that's good, isn't it? Good, good. Yeah. And uh, for those people who are international listeners, just I'm sure if you Google, you know, dressage Indeed. training scale. FEI training scale, German training scale, you'll pretty much get the same thing. you you know if you're listening in English, you'll want the English version, but I'm sure you'll be able to find it somewhere.
0: yeah you definitely will, you definitely yep. will. yeah yep. Yep. so the training scale starts with rhythm because we we do want relaxation, but the best play, way to get relaxation, if your horse is a little bit anxious or tense, is to just, try to achieve a rhythm and and the two ingredients that as judges we're looking for in rhythm are that the tempo is the right tempo for that particular horse so the tempo for a very long legged horse will be a little slower than the tempo for a pony but of course all horses can become a little hurried or sometimes they could become too slow and that won't be the best Tempo. So tempo is the speed of the rhythm. That's part of rhythm. The other really important part of rhythm is the regularity of the paces. Okay. And that means that the footfalls will need to be clear footfalls throughout each of those paces. So in walk, it'll be a four-beat walk, and there will be a moment when, for instance, the left four leg mm-hmm. will still be pointing backwards and the left hind foot will be stepping forward into the print or near the print of that left forefoot before it leaves. And so you get a moment when the two cannon bones, the, the front and hind leg on the left form a V and of course the same on the right. So that will make it clear four-beat walk. If you see that momentary V and sometimes judges will say V could be clearer or show a um, uh, clear a V throughout the walk or something like that to tell people that the walk wasn't always clear. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's the walk. And it can become not so clear either because the horse is tense Mm -hmm. or because because the horse is very lazy. So it's finding that middle ground where the horse is in the best walk he can produce. And then the, the second pace we would talk about will be the trot. And there should be two beats in the trot. There shouldn't be any diagonal irregularity. And you wouldn't hear that on sand or grass, but you can hear it on a harder surface if there is any irregularity in that. And that should have a diagonal pair separated by moment of suspension. So that's the two-beat trot. Mm-hmm. And of course, if a horse is not completely sound, if he has a limb injury, he may not be completely clear in the trot. And it may not show up in the walk or the canter, but it will most definitely show up first in the trot. So that's the trot, the regularity in the trot. And then the the canter should be a three beat. But when you're choosing music for canter, if you're doing freestyle, you would always look for music that had a four beat because the fourth moment in the music will be when the horse is in the air showing a moment of suspension. So Mm -hmm. you can't use waltz music for a canter, even though waltz music is three beat because there's no... Opportunity for the motor suspension to be yep, effective.
1: Yep, yep, and, yep. And I think that's an interesting point for people who are thinking about
0: freestyle. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep, yes. So yep. a lot of inexperienced people do tooth walls music and it mm-hmm. doesn't work. Yep, it doesn't Yeah. Yep. So, so that's the canter. And the canter, if we, for instance, we're asking the horse to canter left, he would begin with his right hind. He would then have a diagonal pair, um, which will be his. Um, where are we cantering left, aren't we? So right hind we've already started with. So left hind and right fore will come through together as a diagonal pair and then the left front leg, which is the leading leg, will come down last. So that's where the three beats come from. And what can happen if the horse gets very tense or if he starts to gallop is that diagonal pair will break up and that's what will make your canter not be a three beat anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it'll become a full beat canter. All right. All right. Even worse, it could become a two-beat
1: cantile.
0: <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Yes. So rhythm was number one on the training scale. And unless you've got that, you can't really think about anything else. But yes. once you've achieved fairly consistent rhythm, then you work on suppleness. And there's two sides to that. There's the physical suppleness that the horse flexes and bends left and right, that he's laterally supple, and that he's longitudinally supple, in other words, that he can lift his back tighten his ab muscles so his core is engaged in the effort that he's making and he comes rounder and rounder as he goes further up the training in his level. So he may not really be on the beat in a prep test or a preliminary test or possibly even in a novice, but by the time he gets to elementary, he should be on the bit. So Mm -hmm. that's what we mean by longitudinal suppleness. And then the second part of suppleness is the mental suppleness, which is a relaxation that the horse shows. And there are many ways a horse can, a judge can see that, and that is the loose, a horse having a good swinging back will have a, an S in his tail, a pendulum tail. He'll have some cappuccino in his mouth and hopefully even between his hind legs as well. Um, and he will have an expression on his face that shows that he's confident and at ease with the work he's doing and the rider who's asking him the questions he's being asked. So that's the mental relaxation. I have to keep going because I'm going to run out of time. So next is contact. And for contact, we don't just mean his mouth or the reins. We mean that the horse steps willingly into the rider's hand from an active hind leg and accepts an elastic connection with Mm -hmm. the rider through the rein. On to impulsion. Um, this is that there is energy and that it's channeled through the horse's body. And again, you can't have impulsion if the horse is relaxed in his back um, and engaging his hind legs, bending the joints in his hind legs as they land, not when they're in the air. That's not the important time It's when mm-hmm. they land yes. carry weight. On to straightness. Well, we could talk about straightness for a long time, but we haven't got time. But um, mm-hmm. we, we don't expect horses to be as straight in prep and prelim as we do when they are riding at SEI level. So horses will become straighter once they develop more suppleness and more strength through more training. And that will mean that the track of the left hind will be on the same line as the track of the left fore, whether it's on a straight line or a curved line. And the same with this right hind and right Mm fore. So that's straightness and equal weight bearing on both of those sides of the horse. Yep. Last one is collection. Now, we're talking more about people who are not so experienced here today, but we Even in prelim and novice tests, we see a moment of collection through a well-ridden corner or a half turn meter circle onto a centre line or on a transition. So horses do have a moment of collection if you use your corners and your smaller figures <laughs> well. Yes. Yeah. So that's not a one. So that took a long time, so it won't take as long on the other <laughs> one.
1: But, but an important one, I think, you know, a good one to start yes. off with
0: and an important one for people. It is because every judge is, with with every mark that they give, a little momentary, fleeting thing through their head is how is the rhythm, how is the suppleness, how is the contact, how is the impulsion, how is the straightness, how is the collection. So before they come to the mark, yep. so it is important that coaches and riders also work on those same. We all think from the same home, same, mm, same book. Mm, that is yep. really what we're saying. Yep, yep. On to number two, and yep. number two for me, I'm a bit of a list person. I've arrived at shows several times in my life where I've forgotten something important and I've had to run around and um, call a favour in on somebody else there and they've yes. lent me a girth or they've yes. lent me a tie yes. or something. So now I have an electronic list. And before a show, I print that out and then I cross it off and then I can't forget anything mm-hmm, mm-hmm, <laughs> because mm-hmm. I've got my list. Yeah. and I think we're also busy I find the day before a show or the day of the show when I'm getting ready, I like to have done some things earlier. So I yeah. haven't got so much to do all yeah. day.
1: And and having that electronic list is good, you know, something that you're not going to just lose, it's going to be there and uh you know, if you print it out that gives you a physical copy then that you can just have the joy of crossing things
0: out when you when you actually do it. Indeed. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah. And a part of that I think is making sure that you've done everything you need to do with your horse because Mm -hmm. it really is important that we do go in looking as though we know what we're doing and we're professional and we're well prepared. It's a a part of the respect for the judge. And as a judge, I try always to be well-groomed as well because I know how long it takes to get horses Mm -hmm. and riders ready. But I think we do want to be well-presented. And once in my life I've had somebody come in and honestly it looked as though they'd just been through a birch broom backwards. And it's just a birthday. But bush backwards, and it just really made a very poor first impression. And this was for an FEI test, so FEI, we do expect people to know how to present yes, themselves yes, and their horse. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Is it is a performance? It's a small performance, short performance, but it is a performance. And you mm-hmm. wouldn't expect a ballet dancer to come on stage looking scruffy, and you wouldn't for expect sure, a bus rider sure. to yeah. do that. So that's
1: part of that preparation, I yeah. think. I think part of the preparation, because you know, that's an important part of the preparation, and you're talking about training before you start your dressage competition, so the the list, the preparation, but then the next one you've got is knowing your test inside out.
0: Uh, absolutely. And yep. before I do that, I just want to add one little thing, which is I make sure I pack my car in exactly the same way every time. So. My mini always sits behind the driver's seat. And yep. if someone needs to get me some water, I can say, just look behind the driver's seat. Mm-hmm. So um, everything goes in the same place, and I don't lose things that way. So that helps a lot when you're in a fluster. Yep. Um, and know your test inside out. Number three, know your test. Because if you're busy thinking about, oh, where do I go next? You can't be thinking about how your horse is going or improving the energy or the connection or the – straightness of your horse if you're really yep. thinking about where to go next. Mm. So you do need to know, well, I, I am a professional educator and have been for many years, and I educate adults. So I'm going to tell you about two really valuable ways you can learn tests a little more effectively. The first is called chunking, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm assuming I'm talking mainly to a Western audience, and we're people who write things down. We, yes. we have phones and we have pieces of paper, and so we are not good at remembering very long lists of things, so we need to make sure we we chunk stuff into six or fewer items. Uh, I could remember phone numbers a long time ago when they were only six or seven <laughs> numbers, yes. but now they're 10, I just, you just can't. And that's true for most people who are used to having the luxury of writing things down. So how do you chunk a test? Well, if it was a premium or a novice test, it might be something simple like there's a trot chunk, then there's a walk chunk, then there's a left canter chunk, then there's a right canter chunk, and then there's a bit more trot at the end. Um, so that's one way of chunking it into six or fewer chunks for one test, which mm-hmm. might be 20 movements. Another way is you might say, oh, well, in my medium test, I have all the lateral work first, the soldering and the half-pass in trot, then I have the mediums, then I have the walk, then I have the canter sequence beginning on the left rein, might be 50 meter circle length and canter, canter to loop transition yep. on the diagonal, yep. and then the same on the other brain. So that's that's another way of chunking it. Mm-hmm. It does get harder once you get to FEI, <laughs> a yep. longer tips yep. and many different things, but it's a really good strategy to helping you remember your test, mm-hmm. and then you can actually train those chunks. And the ones that you're going to forget are the middle chunks. We're so good at remembering the first and last parts of any task. Yes. The middle parts of the bits you need to practice in your training a bit more so you don't your brain doesn't abandon you in the middle of the test. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. to do that, you can really concentrate more on how your horse is going in the test because the test will be so clear in your head. The second technique adults are very good at using multiple senses. That means don't just draw it. Don't just say it loud. Do both at the same time. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So whether you draw it on a table or in the air or on your windscreen while you're sitting at a long set of traffic lights, but say it out loud at the same time. because that will really help you with your recollection
1: of the test. Yeah, yeah. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. And just thinking for for the people that are more kinesthetic, um, maybe just, and I know it takes longer, but closing your eyes and just visualising it and riding it, feeling it. You know feeling that you're absolutely. on the horse that you're riding, yeah, yeah, absolutely, or,
0: or walking around you, you know, you're yes, 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 <laughs> yeah. that's right. I, I will talk a bit more about visualization later because it is a really very mm-hmm. valuable strategy, yeah. But
1: let's move on to number four, okay? So that's be training at a higher level at home and clinic. Mm. So, which then you can prepare to complete. So, it's sort of like if you're jumping, you're jumping higher. Than what you're competing, so you're riding higher than you're
0: competing. Yep. If I if I wanted to jump meter twenty tracks, which I did a long time ago, yep. I would be jumping a meter thirty at home. And yes. then when you go out, the course doesn't look so big mm. because mm. you know you can you can jump bigger yep. tracks at home yep. than yep. you have to jump when you're out. And the same with the um, dressage. If you if you can only barely do the work in the novice test, then you probably should just be riding in prelim tests, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, prep tests as well, so that. You have done that, They are oh, gosh, I don't know if I'll be able to do this in this <laughs> situation. He's not used to this surface or he hasn't been to this venue before. So you want to be confident in yourself and you want your horse to feel confident that everything you're asking to do in front of a judge mm-hmm. is something he's very confident and familiar with. Good, good. That helps his, his confidence. In All truth. right. You want to feed horses looking confident. Yes,
1: yes. And the next one you've got is about riding horses at protocol days. So for those people who don't understand protocol days, can you just briefly talk about that and then talk about riding the tests there?
0: Yeah, look, look protocol days have lots of different names. They think it's called training days or training test days or probably there's a few other terms that can be used sure. as well. But the idea is that you're not actually at a competition trying to win a ribbon or a rosette. You're just going to have a judge who is an experienced judge judge you and then discuss how the test went mm-hmm. after the, you've finished the test. And you may even then have the opportunity in some situations to redo some parts of the test. Perhaps you've got a with in the canter and you, know, you didn't get to do the canter as well as you normally could and you might like to do that again or... Um, so, it's an opportunity just to develop your skills in riding tests and to develop your confidence, but also to learn more as well. Mm-hmm. And to put your horse in a situation you're like a competition, but without quite the same kind of anxiety yep. that some people <laughs> For it's sure, competition. for sure. Yeah, so that's it. And something I wanted to add there is yeah. that I think at you should try to ride right through the test. I try now to run through tests at least once a week, all mm-hmm. year, not just during the competition season. Yep. And I also if I'm going to a new level, I warm my horse up in walk for fifteen to twenty minutes because we know that's the best thing you can do to the joints. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could go into that we won't have time. But you can walk through a whole test. Yes. You can walk Talk yes. about it as And that's when um, another time you can use visualisation again. So you can actually be saying, right, as I'm coming down this sixth line, I'm trying to have a lot of power and energy to begin with, and then I'm going to sit really tall. I'm going to try to make the steps a little bit shorter and higher just before I get to the halt. So the horse is on his hind legs, in balance, and um, prompting his transition through the halt. Mm -hmm. So that would be... And you would do while visualising. So you're not just walking and falling asleep, you're actually thinking about how you're going to ride each of these movements. So that's that's part of riding three test too, partly profile but you can do it at home and you can yeah. do it in a walk, um, at a leisurely pace at the beginning yeah. of your ride. Yes.
1: And I think that's uh, yeah, th- that's a really good tip too, you know, just to um it, just to go through. It's like riding the test in your lounge room, but you're doing with a little bit better quality.
0: Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. interestingly, there's been some research on our gold medalist um, writers, yep. and they all have stupendously powerful visualization skills, yep. and they assume when they were, were researched that everyone else had the same skills, but in fact, most of us really have to work at that, yep. and practice does improve the visualization skills, but not everyone has the sort of natural talents in visualization that the best
1: writers in the world have. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. yeah, So, Wendy, the goals, you know, would you be able to talk about goals? And I know you are going to talk about SMART goals.
0: Mm. Well, I know many people will know about this, but I just want to apply it a little bit to training and riding horses. Mm. So um, S is for specific in SMART, and this can be something very measurable. I think there's lots of very measurable things when you're training horses, and, and an example would be, I want to count no more than 14 strides of counter down the long side from corner marker to corner marker for my length and counter. Then I know my steps are longer because normally I would get 18 or 20, 16 steps. So that means each step is bigger, longer. Mm -hmm. So that's a good example of a specific um, goal that you can set for yourself. Um, And then we can move on to measurable. And an example of um, a measurable goal would be I want to improve the score for my entry and final halts in my next test because I didn't think about them enough I didn't prepare the horse enough and I only got 5.5 or 6 and I know mm. I can get a bigger mark if sure. I really apply myself. So that's measurable. Achievable, um, perhaps your best knowledge score so far has been 65%. So. It would be quite achievable on right day, and not just the weather suddenly ruins it for you, but to aim for perhaps 66% mm-hmm. in your next two or three items. So that's achievable in the next one, which is after realistic, go hand in hand really. It's just not really going to be very motivating for you. If you say, well, I've only got 65% and next time I want to get 85%. I will tell you about a client I had who's just started competing. she's been having lessons for a while, just started composing and on Facebook she wrote, Very disappointed, only got sixty percent in my first test and I'm only at ninety percent in all my studies and that's what I want to be getting when I do dressage tests. Mm-hmm. Well mm-hmm. both of us have done yep. yep. <laughs> Understand that that would be a mark that only two horses in the international competition yes. therefore yes. achieved amazing horses, I'm talking about total and like that. But um, for most of us, we would be pretty thrilled with 60% for our mm-hmm. first part. And you can always build on that. Um, and you do need to know what is realistic. and I mean, especially in official competition, in 65, it's not a number, even though in some other disciplines, it may not be such a good one. So, yeah, and being realistic about what you can achieve. And it will depend a bit on your horse. If your horse is a, a dear, older, slightly stiff, very genuine, honest horse, then probably 90% is going to be out of your reach. Yeah. So you do need to be realistic. hmm mm-hmm. um, So the last um, element of the SMART list is, is T, and T is for being time-related. Yep. And... I think this is for those of um, the riding population who don't find it so easy to stay motivated. If we come home after a big day at work and feel a bit weary, or look out through the window and see it's wet or windy or cold, and get oh gosh, maybe i right now. I think it's it's really good to set goals for one month, three months, and your year where you want to be in this hobby. You don't ride each time you come home from work and you're a feeling mm-hmm. big tired or the weather's not ideal, you probably might get to where you want to be in the following year if you had an ambitious goal for a year's time. So I think the time loader ones really an important part of the whole SMART picture. Yeah. So yeah, we're thinking of the short-term goals, the medium-term goals, and the longer-term goals, and that might be your five-year plan. You may plan to write national championships in five years' time. And so you need to put in the hard yards so you can get there. Yep, yep, um, yep. And for, for each competition, you should have your own goals as well. Yes. And goals can't be vague and wishy-washy things like, oh, I want to ride better or I want my horse to be softer. You can have those, but you also need to have measurable goals so mm-hmm. that you can actually decide what you have achieved what you need to achieve or what you need to do next time so you can get closer to that goal. Yeah, yeah.
1: All right, now the next one we've got, um, so that you arrive in plenty of time, what sort of time would you recommend to arrive before the actual, you know, if you've got your time, before the Mm -hmm. time
0: that you're riding, how much is plenty of time? Okay, so look, something Harry Bolt, who I've been lucky enough to have a lot of help from over many years as a wonderful trainer, he says, look, horses can be affected by the fumes in a float or a truck. So... Give them time to recover from traveling and breathing in fumes on the way to a competition. So that's one thing a lot of people don't think of. Another thing is that you don't want to be rushing. If you get stressed, your your blood will suddenly have three hormones injected into it. And these are adrenaline, noradrenaline and cortisol. These are three stress hormones that will then be there for at least 20 minutes but they could be there for up to a day if you don't calm yourself down so better not to get into a position where you have those there because that will really affect how your brain functions particularly your frontal lobe of your brain which is the rational thinking logical part of your brain which you need at a competition to work well so you don't want to be running late when you arrive you don't want a traffic hold up or a flat tire or something like that to mean you're going immediately into a test once you have a saddle on horse. You want to have time to do everything while you walk and talk quietly and slowly so everyone is calm, yourself and your horse mm-hmm. and your strapper, if you have a strapper. Uh-huh. Um, yes. so, and, and tacking up, you want that same idea. You want to do it in a set routine. If you watch t- top athletes, they all do exactly the same thing, before each race or before each ice dancing performance or whatever and that's because they don't want to have to think about whether they've done everything. They do everything in a very particular routine so their brain can focus just on the performance not on all those little details. Yep. We need to do the same thing. So if you always put your warm-up boots on your horse first do that at a show. Mm -hmm. If you then put the saddle on do that at a show. If you lastly put your bridle on do that at a show. Mm -hmm. But do allow plenty of time so you're calm and allow a little bit of time to run through your test with whoever you might have who's with you. Okay. Whether it's Jack or your mum. Yep. To make sure that you do know the test before you're actually going out
1: there to do it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now you've got um, to run through the test. What else can the strapper or your mum or whoever, you know, some people will have their coach but whoever, what else can they do to help?
0: Whoever. Well, I like, to put a bag in the hands of my strapper yep. my friend. Yep. And um, in the bag, I have a copy of the tests. Mm-hmm. That's one of the things that's on my list from earlier. And the bag will have some water in it. I like to have some water with some electrolytes in it because I get a little bit of cramp sometimes if it's a hot day and I haven't got electrolytes. Mm-hmm. Um, some flyer repellent some lip protector so my lips don't get burned, some Ventolin if you're an asthma sufferer, anything else that you think you need. But room in the bag so you can put your tendon boots and bell boots in yes. mm-hmm. once the once the your um, strapper has taken your, your warm-up gear off because otherwise i have got an armful of things and I won't be able to carry everything. So you need a, a decent bag to okay. carry that. Good. And you need to Good. choose a strapper who's going to be harmed Mm-hmm. a good influence on you, and preferably a positive influence on you. Yep. Not someone who's going to say, oh, that was useless. Oh, I don't even know why he's competing today. That's mm. not what you want someone to say to you before you go in. <laughs> yep. yep. So someone yep. who's supporting and um, can calm you down if you do get anxious.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look, horsechats.com. All right. Now, the next thing you've got um, about riding, where you warm up and where the arena is. You know, like if you can find a nice quiet place down in the corner and your test is five minutes away, where should you warm up?
0: Um, I think it depends a little bit on surfaces. I'm particularly fussy about good surfaces Mm -hmm. because good surfaces keep legs sound. So for me, my first priority is, am I warming up where the surface is good? If you can find a quiet place but the surface is likely to damage a dispensary or a check ligament, stay away from it. Mm -hmm. That's that's pretty important. Um, It's good not to be too far away if possible because then you can see how the arena is running and whether... Things are suddenly getting early or late or yep. whatever. Maybe you should give your horse a bit of a stretch and a relax if, if the arena is running late, if the judges haven't come back from a tear break or something like that. Um, but once you actually go over to the arena and you want to be ready to do that as soon as possible, especially if you're on a horse that's a little bit of a looky, spooky kind of a horse, mm-hmm. try to get there the second previous rider is exiting at A, so that you have a chance to go around on both reins and give your horse a look at everything around that arena surround on both reins. So mm-hmm. one circuit on one rein, change, and then do the circuit on the other rein, if you have the time to do it. Okay, okay. It also can give you a chance to identify particular things. You know, an indoor arena might have large fans that, with shadows moving indoors, which might have gone up the week before and the fans went on and your horse didn't have to deal with that or mm-hmm. there could be sunspots in some indoor arenas or maybe a slippery corner if it's a wet day and you're you know, number 35 in off yes. grass arena. So you need to just have a chance to look at those things as well and decide how you're going to, to deal with that. If it's a very slippery, treacherous corner, you might just cut that corner mm-hmm. to save from doing your horse. Um, so it's all of those sorts of things. Um, trying to be bright and chirpy with the, the judge. If the judge does want to, you to pause. Some judges will just um, get your number as you ride past. Some will mm-hmm. ask you to stop. Yep. Um, but definitely not standing, hovering around near the judge while they are trying to complete collectives for the previous horse. Yep. Because that is not good for your horse. You need to keep your horse focused, and you definitely don't want to be overhearing what a judge is saying to a writer because judges wouldn't appreciate you doing Mm -hmm. that. Yep, yep.
1: All right. Is there anything else we need to do, you know, about riding around the outside of the arena? Anything else we need to be thinking of before we actually go into the arena and ride our test?
0: Indeed there is. And look, it's going to depend a great deal on the kind of horse that you're on and how Mm -hmm. they are responding. So if you've got a horse that's got a little bit tense and and, um, lost some suppleness, um, then the best thing for you might be to do a few steps of leg left and then a few steps of leg right or a bit of shouldering left, shouldering right. Um, on the other hand, he might be a horse that's turned into a bit of a snoozer and you might need to get him sharp. So you might do quite a few transitions on the way around the arena or you might do some medium canter to energise him and get those hind legs a little bit quicker. So it will depend a lot on your horse mm-hmm. and You do also need to be considerate if your arena is near another arena. You don't want to do a medium canter too close to a horse in another arena. But try and and, um, take whatever advantages you can from doing whatever helps your horse to perform well in that test. There's a few other little tips that, speaking as a judge, I I see some people come in and not necessarily looking as professional as they might. Um, The first thing that you would do is make sure that when you salute don't salute with the hand that has a whip in it. Mm, yes. Um, in some countries like the UK, that's actually against the rules for safety reasons. It mm-hmm. couldn't frighten us, but it just doesn't look very professional. So if you bring your whip in, in your right hand, then you should salute with your left hand mm-hmm. and vice versa. Okay. When you have a series of judges around the arena, really the proper protocol is just to salute a C judge. Yes. You don't need to nod at five judges around the arena. You don't want to see them doing that. Um, and make sure that your salute is understated. This is dressage. It's not the theatre. So we don't want the big theatrical waves of your hand as you might if you had completed a performance on a ballet stage. Yes. Um, yes. And sometimes you might need to swap your whip around in the test. You may have a horse that needs the whip to help you with the leg yield both ways, and then you need a plan of which rain do I need it in for the first leg yield and when am I going to change my whip over mm-hmm. for the second leg yield? Or sometimes I've needed that for a flying change too. Yep. So sometimes you need to think about that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not always just whichever hand you picked it up with when you mounted yeah. your <laughs> Yes, yes, yes. Okay. All
1: right. Look, Wendy, good advice. And as I said right at the beginning, I'll bet there'll be something in there that, a more experienced writer will say, ah, oh, yes, and now I've got that. That was something extra I should be thinking about. So, yeah, thank you for coming. Thank you for your time. We certainly appreciate your expertise. Now, Wendy, if people would like to contact you, what's the best way?
0: best way is just on my mobile phone. Okay, yes. Know. It's zero four zero nine zero six five three zero four.
1: Perfect, and anyone would like to get those details, it'll be under horsechats.com slash Wendy Barker remembering that Wendy's already been on and done other interviews or or done another interview and then a listener's choice. Now, Wendy, I know that earlier on you talked about straightness and you said, but I won't go into that here because that's a really big subject. We would love you to come back and talk about straightness or another subject that, um, that you think is well worth it because, you know, I think that your time's very valuable, our listener's time's valuable, and I think if we can put the two together, then that would be the ideal.
0: Oh, it will be my
1: pleasure. <laughs> All right, Wendy. Look, good to talk to you, and hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks very much, Jim. Now, if you're still there, you probably know that I'm absolutely passionate about education within the horse industry. That's why I host this podcast. My other venture is Online Horse College. Have a look now at onlinehorsecollege.com, and I'll see you over there.